of dollars in contracts to fix water main leaks. The city has begun the process to terminate the emergency contracts that are associated with an investigation by the city's office of inspector general. Following the recent arrest of a Houston attorney who is being charged with bringing drugs into the Harris County Jail, Sheriff Ed Gonzalez said that the county is in the final stages of setting up a digital mail system for inmates. The Texas Department of Criminal Justice has already moved to a digital mail system in all state prisons. According to the sheriff, inmates will be provided with secure tablets to view mail that's been scanned into the system. Gonzalez said the recent case is part of the ongoing struggle to keep drugs out of the jail, and he hopes the new mail system will help combat the issue. Support this local newscast and this station now by becoming a member at kpft.org. And thanks for tuning in to 90.1 KPFT Houston. Welcome to Growing Up in America on KPFD Pacifica Radio. Claire Dutre here with Dr. Bob. Claire, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm happy to take a back seat to hosting this week. Well, you know, you're you're always the better host. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. There so. was a poll run, but I didn't want to say the results. So it was you and Mandy last week, right? It was. And how'd Mandy do? It was great. She was just back in her grind pretty quickly. Very excited about the guests. Well, you know, post-election though, right? It's an ex- exciting time. Yeah, for it was all perfect to, to have her. Out. Yeah, yeah, so very good. And do you have a take a week after the election? Do you have a take on it? Yeah, I think we can get back to the polls for the mayor election now. The runoff. Um, and I actually was interviewed, didn't air, but about my election process when I walked out, and I just said, "Praise for Prop 2. So I'm excited to have that praise now confirmed by our voters in it passing. What was it, like 65% for Proposition 2? Mm-hmm. 65% children. of kids love kids, people love kids, yeah. and then you have 35% who hate kids. Apparently. Well, who misunderstood. But if they knew, <laughs> then they would have voted yes. Very good. Hey, we have a great show today, by the way, here on Growing Up in America. This is a discussion on our children, public policy, and how do we as a community do when it comes to taking care of all of our kids. A production of Children at Risk, the voice for the children of Texas. On the show today, our good buddy Becky Quintanilla is going to be with us. Uh, She's going to be talking about the learning summits uh, for next year, 2024, uh, that Children at Risk is putting on and Talking about a couple of good events, Claire, right? I think that uh, yeah, would be noteworthy. Yeah. Uh, our good buddy, Dr. Jamie Freeney, is going to be here. The best. Uh, how often do we have Dr. Freeney on the program? Not enough. That's what I'm saying. The- She's with Mental Health America. She'll be talking about mental health tips around holiday gatherings. Brian Green will be with us from the Houston Food Bank, talking about food insecurity during the holidays. And then Gretchen Himsel, uh, who's with uh, Children at Risk, is going to talk about how to include your children in the holiday traditions and show them thankfulness. It's it's a Thanksgiving show of sorts, isn't it? It is. It is. What are you thankful for today? You know, I'm I'm thankful uh, for good friends and family good and fun. the team at Children at Risk, right? I mean, what a great team we have yeah. uh, that does this every day fighting for kids. So, Yeah. That's yeah. How about you? One. I'm thankful for Texas public education and I'm excited to see our state invest in Texas public education in the fourth session. Yeah. Do you think that's going to happen? I'm speaking it right now. <laughs> <laughs> if they're thankful... And have a big heart, then they will. There you go. Well, that's uh, that's uh, that's more hopeful than thankful, isn't it? So yeah. Well, it's my Christmas wish, so don't let me down. <laughs> Very good. Coming up, thumbs up, thumbs down. We're going to be talking about should Black Friday sales stay on Black Friday, and how does that impact our families in Texas? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
Um, I love a little music in between. It's great. It's great. <clears throat> so should Black Friday sales stay on Black Friday, and how does this impact our kids? The first thing that comes to mind on this is, uh, you know, we've had this idea of Black Friday sort of, you know, for a while, even during Thanksgiving, places yeah. were opening it up. And I just felt like we're stealing away family time from those families that are working there. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm inclined to, to want Black Friday to stay on Black Friday. What are your thoughts? Yeah, my mom is very passionate about this because she feels like it takes away from homes as well because everyone's rushing out. And she likes Thanksgiving because it's a time where it feels quiet. Everyone's together. And so the, when they push sales up, up, and up and encourage you to leave your homes to go rush in line, you're taking away from that. I'm not even thinking of but adding to those workers that have to leave. Because um, they start now at 9 a.m. on Thanksgiving. You can go line up and get your TVs from Walmart. Um, Amazing, right? Yeah, it's just all all capitalism. Well, it driven. is capitalism. And, you know, I hate to be sort of like, I want to be old-fashioned about it. But in, in a sense, it's not being old-fashioned. It's being sort of like pro-kid, pro-family. Yeah, yeah. It is helpful thinking of now, I mean, they're they're starting today. So I'm going in stores and it's early Black Friday sales, which at that point, okay. is it just a sale? I don't know why it has to be Black Friday sale. I think they just simply are having a holiday sale. Um, but it's helpful and I don't think there's as much of a rush now to go. So mm. it's not taking away at least from the dinner tables in the moment. You go know, see but- a movie. It's Thanksgiving. Uh, BQ happens to be in the studio with us, uh, Becky Quintanilla. I wanted to get her take on this. Uh, Becky, when you think about uh, Black Friday, I mean, what do you think about this idea? I mean, people do like shopping on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I would say I love a good sale. Yeah. Uh, I I love a good sale. Mm-hmm. Um, Amen. <laughs> I will also say um, some not all families celebrate uh, Thanksgiving. So That's right, yeah. Um, I think if like they have just having a regular family dinner or mm-hmm. i think it's always good like whenever kids have breaks it's good to invest in family time and quality family time but you can also go to the store with, you go to the store with your kids and although sometimes the kids hate it a sale sometimes excites them and then i don't know have a little bonding i guess we, we could <laughs> almost have a discussion a thumbs up thumbs down of whether we should even celebrate thanksgiving right yeah. i mean I, I love thanksgiving because i think about my own family and uh, gathering around food and so forth but you could probably make a pretty good case that why do we celebrate yeah. thanksgiving in terms of the history around it yeah i purposely do it for turkey and stuffing and that's <laughs> what i'm celebrating is the food um but no you're right we can get really in the weeds of how schools celebrate it and they dress half the class as pilgrims and half as indians and what the <laughs> historical context of that really is um and then if it gets really in the weeds of how they're kind of putting on plays with it but yeah i think in general the holiday is iffy to work around um black friday is a big 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 on capitalism but as becky said do it in moderation spend time with your kids and have patience for anyone thanksgiving still is a holiday and don't don't be mad at your well we don't have winn-dixie i'm really louisiana showing there your walmart or kroger employees that have to be there on their holiday too um, have patience with those you see I did see a comedian talk about uh, how do we have a holiday that uh, celebrates the annihilation of a civilization and we get to call it Thanksgiving, right? So yeah. it's sort of a. <laughs> I'm glad you quoted that because I, I was tiptoeing around it with my school's initiative. <laughs> no, it, you know, I, I listened to this and I burst out laughing because it's just, um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, BQ, thumbs up or thumbs down on this? I'm going to say thumbs up. You like the idea yeah, of black sales on thir- uh, Black Fridays actually starting sales, on Thursday, yeah. yeah. And your uh, thumbs down, Claire? Well, I just don't think it's Black Friday anymore. You're just having a holiday sale. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't don't rush and try to get families away from their families because you're only doing a deal at 8 p.m. That's when yeah. you watch football or dogs. Uh, BQ, do you, do you guys celebrate? Do you guys have a little? turkey or anything at your house would you guys we have but as we get older it's yeah it's not as big a deal yeah we've had fajita last time so turkey fajitas that's probably better no. than <laughs> turkey don't quote her. oh you wanted to use good meat yeah <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, very Claire. good okay. that's that's our big thumbs up thumbs down hey coming up after the musical break uh we'll be talking with bq a little bit about uh, some of the upcoming learning summits and some of the key issues affecting children and families uh, as we face the coming year we'll be right back
on KPFT, Pacifica Radio with Growing Up in America, and uh, BQ, welcome to the Growing Up in America program today. Hello, hello. So, um, every year, Children at Risk and the Texas Family Leadership Council put out a calendar of big events that they think have an impact on children, following uh, ideas that have an impact on children and families. And so the season is out for next year, right? We get to we get to hear what some of the big, what and what are some, for you, BQ, what are some of the highlights of next year? I mean, what are some of the key issues that maybe uh, we're doing some summits on that uh, maybe people would wonder about and sort of identify uh, or reflect sort of what we're, we're what we're doing with families. Yeah, well, um, as a project coordinator with Children at Risk, um, I am all around. Um, I do. I help a lot of teams or that focus on different issue areas. But I am more excited about um, the National Immigration Summit, just because mm-hmm. there's a lot of new laws, whether being this past legisl- legislative session um, and the special sessions. There's been a lot of anti-immigrant bills enacted or signed stuff like that Mm -hmm. and that can have a lot more information how to fight it or how to like live your life around it yeah uh when we think about immigration i mean what are some of the things i mean there's so much we could talk about here but when we do a national immigration summit what are some of the key focus around children and families that we're talking about yeah uh, uh we have a good partnerships with different um um nonprofits nationally yeah um and a, one of my favorite ones is the children's partnership in california and i know they focus a lot on health um and trying to get food assistance or um health insurance to their families and i think that's i mean yeah you need both of those to right. um you know live a normal life and uh the children's partnership does a good job on that yeah i love these learning summits and i'm excited each year for the exclusive drop on kpft of what the summits will be for the next year becky when we talk about these events or just any events because i know when you go online you can find an overhaul of online summits what is something that people can really get out of from these and what is the dissemination of the work look like after learning yeah um so each summit has a different issue um i know i think this is the first time we're doing equity summit and it might not be, but uh, it's my first time doing mm-hmm. the summit with Children at Risk since I've only worked here for two years. But um, a lot of it will be focusing on challenges that, I mean, we're a lot facing, of um, yeah. we're facing and the work that's being done and that you can help with. And I think a lot of, especially as families, you don't know, you know, you might know about the challenges, but you don't know how to go, like, find help or act to be an advocate and advocate for change and i think a lot of families and other nonprofits can leave with that information what yeah. will be the difference between an equity summit and i know traditionally we've done the state of black children summit what's the, what are the big differences there uh pq it, you know you know i will say um the state of black children will focus on black children when equity can it didn't tell so much more you know yeah. it, it's black and latina um it could also address um Income and equity. Income and equity. Yeah, 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 some of those big deals. I enjoy our summits. I just recently had the absolute honor of working a little bit with our STEM summit. And I think what I'm starting to hear and see, as Becky said, is they're a connector, right? So I go to these in-person events and online events, and it's easy after one or two panels to tune out. And so really being intentional about looking before at who's speaking and having more of a deep dive. And I love the audience questions, the questions panelists, uh, moderators propose, And so I'm looking forward to just more information sharing and to see these connections made. I hear people who sit on the same panel as someone. They're like, oh, we actually have synergy in our work. It would be really powerful if after this we continue the conversation. Um, And just hearing the shared mission makes me excited. I will also say uh, we have a legislative roadmap, which we do every other Mm. year. Um, And it's just like a setup for our legislative session, which would be the 89th this year or two years from now. but yeah, I think it's always Setting exciting just to set the stage and see what are the issues we're going to be dealing with and 
which ones we're advocating for. BQ, Claire, I wonder, um, we have traditionally done a big education summit, a big STEM summit as well. Talk about <clears throat> what happens when we do these summits. What is the impact on, legislatively on our school districts, Claire? Yeah, I mean, I can speak shortly to the STEM Summit a little bit on education, but it's an opportunity for us to really focus on an issue area with the collaboration of others. And so what happens is in the pre-conversations with those being brought in, when we start disaggregating the data that's going to be told at the summit, we hear of what the actual story is behind those numbers. And when you make that connection in these summits, it's then easy to springboard more conversations of solution-based work. And I think our summits are really making that shift of not just explaining the problem over and over, but explaining what solutions look like and really what we have to uproot to reach those solutions. I'm also excited to see more partners being brought in next year, especially with education and kind of shifting it more in the light of if the audience was educators and teachers and less of the nonprofit partners, what will that look like and what value can they have in that partnership? I will also say if you're interested in partnering on any of our upcoming summits, uh, you can contact us at learning at org, And you could just shoot us an email, say, hey, I like what y'all do. I'm an expert in this field. I want to be a partner. I want to be a part of this. Yes. So if we have a quick rundown, you know, February is the Equity Summit. March is the Anti-Human Trafficking Summit. May, we go to Early Childhood. Then what's after that? Uh, June, uh, National Immigration Summit. July will be Future of Children. In August, we'll have our Education Summit. September will be our Health Summit. And, and then we're going to the STEM Summit in October and then the Legislative Roadmap. So that's a pretty good thing. And then, of course, we'll continue to do advocacy training for the Texas Family Leadership Council. And we're doing a series of motherhood roundtables, which I think will be very interesting. BQ, when you look at this, it's sort of a final question for you. When you look at this uh, and we focus on children and families, what's missing? Like for families and children in Texas, is there something that we really should be talking about uh, that we haven't been talking about? I will say uh, I'm a big promote. Prom- uh, yeah, you really yeah. like. I really. <laughs> I, I can't talk today. Um, the lens of environmental oh, um, yeah. sustainability. Justice, you yeah. know, um, we only have one Earth. Yeah. You know, children and families need that one Earth, and <laughs> so yeah. I think we that would be the missing component. Violence against kids, right? In terms of guns and shooting, I mean, that's another area. Like an opportunity so the, and safety. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple yeah. of, and then just this idea of ending poverty, right? I mean, it seems to be like another area that uh, that a lot of these touch on. I think, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, very good. That's interesting, as you see them weave throughout the conversations. But what would a standalone conversation look like with the different components? Um, or if we can have synergy through the summits of if we address it in each summit, what were the commonalities and solutions and how the ultimate goal would be reached? BQ, Becky Quintanilla is a member of the team over at Children Mm -hmm. at Risk, and uh, she's one of the leaders in the production of these learning summits that we have. So thank you very much, BQ. Hey, coming up after the break, we have Dr. Jamie Freeney. Uh, she's with Mental Health America and one of our favorites. And we'll be right back with Dr. Jamie Freeney. On with us now, we have Dr. Jamie Freeney, our favorite from Mental Health America. Dr. Freeney, how are you today? Hi, I'm doing really well. Um, how are you? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Dr. Freeney, we want to talk a little bit about the holidays and mental health stress. And how are the holidays stressing you out, Dr. Freeney? Um, that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the holidays are, um, they're, they're exciting because it's a time for rest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be very stressful because of family dynamics. What do you do, you know, during this time off to pass time, um, all these things, how do you, you know, continue to, uh, take care of yourself when you're surrounded by 
you know, family members and friends that may not have, you may not have the, the best history with, Yeah, you know, so there are so, you know, so many um, considerations and things, you know, I, I certainly am blessed in that I can look forward to that family time, but mm-hmm. in my experience, I've also have made decisions that, you know, I'm going to spend time with these individuals or, you know, I'm, I'm going to focus on making sure that this year we play games or that we do something memorable. So it, it, it's really trying to make the best of this family time because for some individuals, this is the only time that they're able to really be around family. And for others, they don't have any family. So they are making the best time with their friends mm. or, you know, maybe with schoolmates, work, you know, with, with uh, you know, other uh, staff or other members that of their, um, from their job that they may have, you know, relationships with. So, um, so many different dynamics and so many things happen over the holidays. It can be stressful in, in various ways for people. Talk about uh, kids, Dr. Freeney. I mean, uh, we all know the stress of having that uncle who is politically super incorrect, right? Uh, and in uh, Claire's case, it's her whole family politically incorrect. But I, but I, but I wonder how does this have an impact on kids? Uh, is it all fun and games for kids, or when they see adults, you know, stressed out, do they get stressed? Talk a little bit about the impact on children. Absolutely. So um, one. Uh, really critical matter or factor is who is the conflict between children are oftentimes going to side with a parent Mm. regardless if that parent is right or wrong and children want to be right they want to be seen on the quote-unquote winning side so they may um, witness you know the exchange of words you know maybe some exchanges of, of statements or quotes that adults realize are could be sarcastic, could be in a joking manner, could be something that we agree to disagree, whereas children are leaving that conversation thinking feelings were hurt or someone's angry or someone's wrong or someone's bad. So it's really important, you know, when when having adult conversations around children to, especially if we're going to engage them, to ensure that, meet them where they are, ensure they understand what's, you know, what's happening, like this is just an opportunity for us to agree to disagree. It doesn't mean that we don't love each other. It doesn't mean, you know, that we can't get along or that we can't eat dinner together. That's one thing because children are, they perceive a lot. Another thing is teaching children, one, giving them the space to say, I'm not comfortable talking about that, or I don't want to talk about that. And then two, respecting that decision. Oftentimes we hear in families, children are to be seen, not heard, or children, you know, or, or, or you have to go sit elsewhere, or you can't be involved in this conversation. Well, we have to realize children are observant, they're brilliant, and they have a lot of access. They have yeah. access to social media. They know what's happening in Israel. They know what's happening in, um, you know, about different wars. They know what's happening in their own neighborhood, in their own nation, city, community. So embrace those opportunities to get their input so that you can give facts you can course correct, or you can just validate. You can validate their experience. This is helping young people learn how to have conversations, leave the conversation, and not feel as though they were wrong or that they're stupid or that their opinion doesn't matter. This is the time to pour into them to validate their thoughts and experiences and um, and listen, you know, yeah. we, we can learn something from young people these days. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Feeney, I appreciate that. And we'll be paying that for some of my aunts and uncles. But talking or as a former college student and seeing it happen with former of my high school students, you'd go home and feel very burnt out and be very excited to have a week off of rest. But be welcomed with very excited parents who want you 24-7 and feel almost um, like you don't want their company because you want to stay in your room and nap for 12 hours if you were me and you had a <laughs> test right before break so what would you recommend to parents that are welcoming college students home or on the other hand that the kids are on break and they want to see each other and it's not because they don't love their families um but where that line i I completely just played out my entire college (laughs) experience (laughs) because i i went to school about an hour away from home and when i would come home i literally would drop my stuff off 
and then turn back around and leave. And so I had to hear, you know, that you're never here. You know, yeah. you just want us to do your laundry. And I'm like, you had me for 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> Please do my laundry. I know. Well, it can't. Yeah, Hostility starts like, to bubble and it gets bad. Yeah. And so it, that could, could, that really, I mean, all jokes aside, that can be really stressful because p- kids do want to acknowledge their, their family and they want to spend time but their priority at the time, and this goes, again, with brain development. It goes with social development and that age group where they're just learning to be out the house and be on their own and to be, in, you know, um, responsible individuals. And that is difficult to kind of have them regress when they come home. So my message to parents and to uncles and to caregivers is to be patient, be welcoming, and allow them to explore, allow them to go and have, you know, have time with their friends to reconnect because these are the relationships that may last for a very long time. And um, we want to encourage students to um, feel as though they don't always have to, holiday isn't just about my mom and dad. Holiday can be a vacation with friends. Holiday can be a time where you go off by yourself and you rest. And that's, Again, listening to your child say, hey, I am tired. I, you know, I haven't slept and, you know, I just want to sleep. Well, you make that bed. You make it as comfortable as you can because the, the, what you want your child to do is feel like is, is feel as they, they can always come home no matter how much time they're spending with you, no matter what they're, if they're going to be there to sleep, no matter what. That is, is, is the energy that we want in order to help them um, continue to feel loved, continue to feel supported, to have that safety net, and to also um, feel like they um, can make their own decisions without disappointing you. Yeah. I want to go the opposite direction of that, Jamie, yeah. for a second. Is And, you know, we when we see depictions of Thanksgiving on television uh, and in the movies, it's always big, huge gatherings, right? And yet mm-hmm. I remember when I was a kid, right, it was, it was really quite small gatherings, right? Because we didn't have family in town. And so we were Mm -hmm. talking about little families, right? Maybe just the kids and mom, right? And there Mm -hmm. there weren't any other people. But I thought, I think what's important about that is that kids don't care that there was, there's big gatherings going on as long as they're with mom or mom and dad or dad, right? I think that's what they like and so it's important for that mom or that dad to understand that you don't need to have a big gathering but the establishment of small traditions and it may be what we do on thanksgiving is we have a nice meal and we go to the movies or we sit down and we watch i I, and i love that idea right this idea of creating small traditions for your own family yes and there are some really great I'm, i'm so glad you brought that up because there are some really great traditions that you, that the parent um, can establish this year, you know, maybe waking up and going, you know, taking the the family, the two, you know, middle schoolers and the mom to the the food bank Mm -hmm. that morning, starting off with, you know, don't not donations, but start, well, you could donate dropping off food. You could absolutely do that, do that. If you, you know, are, are cooking and, and all that good stuff, but start off, you know, and, and, with an attitude of gratitude and and practice showing that component and modeling that for your children. And like you said, children don't, they don't know what to expect. They don't, you know, they're not going to say this wasn't a great Thanksgiving because we didn't have 16 people around their table. You're exactly, you don't even have to have, there are so many Thanksgivings where I've had Creole food or seafood or, you know, we, we, I'm coming to your Thanksgiving chicken. Yeah. Yeah, Like we deviate, we totally have deviated from that, that Thanksgiving menu. And so it, you can cook, you can have noodles, you can have whatever you want. It's just making it about that family time. And, 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 and Dr. Bob, like you said, for children, like young age, especially uh, elementary school and middle school, time together is probably the most important thing out of anything else that, that a family could do is over the holiday break and that's just to spend time not together on your cell phones but spend time there's excellent games free games that you can play use tiktok to find a game <laughs> you yeah. know, like yeah. um or or to watch movies or to to cook or paint you know there's all sorts of things low-cost things that families can do and then here in the great state of texas where you know i grew up in kentucky so i would i would wake up it might be ice outside it could be snow 
here you wake up you go, you could go for a walk you could mm-hmm. you could go do something physical go to the park that morning you know there's all sorts of things that people can do and we have to just remember that no one is going to confirm or no one is, is no That's one right. is proving or denying uh, you know what we want to do it's it's our holiday it's what we make and, and i think this is what's important too is that when a mom says this is our this is our freeney family tradition where the three of us yeah. go for a walk in the park or the three of us watch this netflix special you know you just do it once or twice and kids remember that for the rest of their life right yeah, i think absolutely uh, i absolutely. think that's an important thing before we go i know you mentioned uh, tiktok i just want to relate a story claire i was doing a keynote address at rice university okay. at the baker institute and i asked anyone in the audience does anyone watch tiktok the <laughs> only person in the whole audience who raised their hand dr jamie freeney and so i felt like it was it it was dr freeney and dr sanborn were the only people who watch who watch tiktok i know there were a bunch of people who didn't raise their hands jamie i'm I'm positive we were just brave enough to admit it so we're just that hip that's just how it goes with the kids dr jamie Freeney, right thank you so much for having me yeah thank thank you so much she's with mental health america and uh regular on the program Thank you, Dr. Freeney. We'll talk to you soon. All right, next up, right after the musical break, Layla Mazzali is here with us, the director of the Center for Social Measurement and Evaluation. The number of the day, 196.7 million. I have no idea, idea. Claire. We'll be right back with uh, Layla Mazzali. All right, time for Layla Mazzali with the data of the day. Layla is the director of the Center for Social Measurement and Evaluation and our resident meteorologist for Southern California. <laughs> and so uh, first off, what's the weather report? Is it, It's always the same in Southern California, isn't it, Layla? It's actually raining today. Oh, wow. That's why we wow. ask. You know, last week, Layla, I was in San Diego, as you probably know, right? That's one of the reasons <laughs> I wasn't here. I was... And, it, the weather is perfect there. I mean, is, is is the weather in San Diego just a little bit more perfect than L.A., Layla? Um, you know, I think they're fairly similar. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I'd say I've spent a fair amount of time in San Diego. It is always lovely there, but it's kind of always lovely here, too. Wow. I think it maybe just depends how far from the coast you are. Um, yeah. It can get pretty hot as, when you get further back. Oh, yeah. Um, I did but not. I did not wander thing. far from the coast. So yeah, it seems say. like a lovely weather. Stick to it. <laughs> so the number of the day: one hundred ninety-six point seven million. Claire, did you have a good idea? I have no idea on this. I actually have been thinking about it, but I've already read what it is, and that's not so out of my now. mind. All right, so Layla, tell us about it. I love how Claire always has integrity about her. <laughs> I will every time. <laughs> or I could just give you word for word what it is. Yeah, Claire has. Uh, she's lots of integrity. Thank yeah. you. Absolutely. Um, so 196.7 million is the record number of American shoppers who shopped both in stores and online during the five-day holiday shopping period from Thanksgiving Day through Cyber Monday oh. um, last year. And I'm included in that number, even well, after it thumbs up, thumbs down. So that's almost two-thirds of Americans actually do a lot of shopping during that period. A lot, yeah, absolutely, and that number is up seventeen million from twenty twenty one. Wow, wow! And is and how does that have an impact on children and families, Layla? When we talk about shopping during this period, Oof. well, you know, I if we want to think about the positive impact, you know, those parents yeah. are going out and getting deals to get kids, you know, what their dream gift is. It's the deal, um, saving the on those deal. Christmas presents. <laughs> You know, so there is that, um, but, you know, I do think that there is a particular type of irony that, you know, in theory, Thanksgiving Day is about, you know, a celebration of gratitude, and, and then the next day we all go out and trample each other to deal with TV. But, you know, it, you know, when all these people are shopping, that's employment as well, right? I mean, this means where our economy is doing is buzzing along, and that helps a lot of people get good jobs yeah, or jobs. Absolutely, but it also means, you know, that maybe a lot of uh, children's parents 
are working on those mm-hmm. days to make sure that other Americans can have access to those deals. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag, right? Because there's the shoppers and there's the workers. And I imagine all of the retail workers in America dread this period um, yeah. because people, you know, behave a little bit badly yeah. during that time. Um so, I mean, for me, the key takeaway here is be nice to retail workers, treat them with dignity and respect. They are they are having a hard time during this time. I know. Something that probably is not expected, but very car of me to bring up is Dr. Flowers in our keynote actually reminded me of something I needed to hear, that a way you can lower your impact on the environment is by limiting your online orders. And so even though we're mm-hmm. catching all these Cyber Monday deals on Amazon, the more packages you order, the more waste you're producing in all the shipping containers. Isn't that interesting? I know. I asked, how can I lower my carbon footprint? And she knew exactly what to tell me. So I, uh, I encourage so those is, is to it, is limit Is it better like to, to drive to the store, closer store, I guess? Uh, yeah, I mean, probably carpool. But just in general, like <laughs> be avid. Don't do 72 different orders and packages. Or just be aware of where you're ordering from, even looking at their sustainability statement and what they're doing to lower their impact. And I noticed that some of the shipping places, Amazon, as no worthy they'll they'll say we'll we'll bring everything on tuesday if you want or we'll yeah. bring everything and so i guess that's you know you need way. to start clicking that i'm instant gratification <laughs> but now i want to i want to be better for the environment <laughs> very good and and layla what is your your final thought on uh, uh all the shopping that happens on these days um i i would say you know maybe be really intentional about what you know your family really needs or what they don't mm. um and, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know that, um, you know, I don't want to bring personal responsibility politics into the sustainability argument. Um, but I think, yeah, gratitude and kindness as much as we can. Um, but, you know, if that deal is too good to pass up, get yourself a new TV. I don't care. That's fine. Layla Mazzali, Director of the Center for Social <laughs> Measurement and Evaluation. Thank you, Layla, for all you do. Thank you. All right. Coming up after the break, we're going to be talking with uh, our buddy Brian Green. He's the president and CEO of the Houston Food Bank. We're going to be talking about food insecurity during this holiday season. We'll be right back. Betrayal, but you're relevant. You're terrified to look down. Because if you dare, you see the glare of everyone you burn just to get there. It's coming back around. And I keep my side of the street clean You wouldn't know what I mean Alright, we're back. Growing up in America, KPFT, Pacifica Radio. Our good buddy Brian Green is with us today. Brian is the President and CEO of the Houston Food Bank. Brian, how you been doing, man? Well, hello, Dr. Bob. Uh, it's a beautiful weather here. I'm glad that winter's finally over and we can get back to having our normal spring. <laughs> hey, Brian, you and I have talked over the years many times about uh, what people perceive as the, the greatest point of food insecurity, which people think about Thanksgiving uh, and the holiday season. Talk about the realities of food insecurity and which times of year are most food insecure for children and families. Well, summer is actually uh, hunger season, absolutely, uh, for kids. Um, so it's interesting. Children are more likely to live in households with poverty than anyone else. They're more likely to live in households that are food insecure than anyone else, and more likely to live in households that experience hunger. But the children are the least likely to actually go hungry of any other demographic in the population. Mm-hmm. And that's overwhelmingly because, of course, the parents, uh, you know, what parent would not suffer before they let their child suffer? So when you see child hunger, it's kind of like, okay, they're just completely out and everybody loses. There's nothing they can do anymore. Um, during the school year, the school lunch and breakfast program is overwhelmingly the largest child hunger fighting program because that takes a lot of burden off low-income low families. Um, but then when in the summer where there's only about 11 or 12 percent of those kids participating in, in uh the lunch program or breakfast programs at schools actually do any sort of food program in the summer, that creates a huge strain on those families. And that's why you tend to see the, the child hunger actually shoots way up during the summer months. It's not a holiday thing. I guess it was Thanksgiving, you know, that whole, you know, we're all going to gather around and yeah. eat a turkey. 
kind of phenomenon is why uh, the general public kind of fixated on the holidays is when we think about food. Mm-hmm. But no, nah, it's a <laughs> it's a year round phenomenon. You know, food insecurity isn't about food. Food insecurity is about income. These families don't have enough money. And it just tends to manifest itself the fastest as food because that tends to be the most flexible expense that a family has because you have to pay all your rent. You can't pay 90%. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that, that phenomenon happens. It's a year-round thing. Yeah, Brian, someone recently told me that Thanksgiving's their favorite holiday because everybody gets to eat. And talking about that, it feels like the world rallies around, like you said, the assumption, or I guess just because it's around a meal, we look a lot at food insecurity. There's um, a surge in churches or local areas around food drives and Thanksgiving food baskets. What would it look like if we address food insecurity? And like you said, not just in providing um, a solution for the problem, but fixing the problem itself at the roots. And um, what that investment would look like from our state. Yeah, well, actually, it, it could look in some ways very different than what people assume. So again, um, we've learned this over the years is we were trying to plug the food hole just with food. And what we found is, you know, because it's an income hole and it's way bigger than what you think is the food hole, as we're providing more food assistance, we're helping families pay rent. We're helping them pay utility bills. We're helping them with medical costs. Um, what that means is where is it that we have the most gain for the families financially? Now, bear in mind that overwhelmingly food insecure families are actually working families. People generally assume this is unemployment. Um, no, according to the Census Bureau, two-thirds of the food insecure households have an adult who works. If they're not making enough net money. Now, so when you think about, well, where is it you would have the most impact? There's an interesting phenomenon that, that happened in this last year, an interesting and tragic phenomenon. Food insecurity actually jumped by about 30% in one year uh, last year. Okay, 30%. So it's now like 12.8% nationally texas the the food insecurity rate is now 15.5 percent a big jump Mm -hmm. now the the biggest driver of that has been inflation and people you know might say oh well food inflation yeah food inflation has been there but you know what the biggest impact has probably been the rent inflation Mm -hmm. so last 12 months rent on average have gone up by seven and a half percent now rent for a low-income household like you take the bottom quintile that's uh, housing costs account for about 60% on average of their income just on housing. So when that goes up by 7.5% in a single year on average, and many, many far worse, the impact on them is huge. It absolutely blows away what that introducing costs on food was. And so then you know, that's what drives the food costs. So kind of the lesson for us is where do we have the best gains for these households to be more income stable, to have income security? Yeah. That will, is what ultimately will drive down food insecurity. Yeah, thinking of all the cross-sections of um, someone's livelihood and when they have to pick between keeping the electricity on or providing food for the family, it becomes a situation that no one should have to go through. Brian, when we think of schools especially, like you said, especially in summer months, what do we see with children in schools and how can we kind of connect to different epicenters of support for those that rely on their free and reduced lunch or breakfast on these holiday seasons? Um. I, I, I'm sorry, I got lost. I'm going to answer the, the, the summer question. Um, so for years, we've been really struggling. Is like, how do we make up that gap of the school lunch and breakfast program, the assistance that provides? And so we very aggressively, the Food Bank and our partners, uh, very aggressively do summer feeding programs. And we ramp up our kitchen. Uh, we about double how many meals that we produce. We're still just scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's so hard to get to these kids in the summer because they're all scattered. You know, the schools have that, have that advantage. The kids are, they're all congealed there, right? And so they're like, ah, here's the kids in need. They're right there. They're easy to serve when they're come summer. Now they're all over the place. And so serving them that way is very difficult. A better direction of solution is EVT, is electronics, electronic mm. benefits transfers, um, where, the, where the parent can just go to the supermarket that, that expense that, you know, that we save by not having to cover the lunch and the breakfast in the summer, give that to the parent. Let them get the food for their kids, and that's how we'll really make a dent in, in childhood hunger. Because yeah. the, the, the difference between childhood hunger and adult hunger 
is when you add extra resources, they don't tend to bleed over to be paying other expenses. As I explained, when we're providing food assistance, we know we're also helping people with rent. Yeah. But we also know that the parents are going to prioritize their kids. They don't want those kids to go hungry. So if I give them a little extra help in the summer, that's going to go help those kids. So if we were to really take seriously pushing the summer EBT, that would make a huge difference. Brian, I, I know that um, we know that the summer is sort of a hungry time, but people love this idea of providing a feast to uh, <clears throat> low-income families. And, and I have to say, um, you know, as growing up in a low-income family, when we would get a free turkey on Thanksgiving, it was fantastic. I mean, I mean, I, it's hard to imagine my mom more happy than when she got a free turkey on Thanksgiving. And uh, so, you know, we we do need to acknowledge, right? I think what the food bank does and what others do in providing for low income families, uh, it may not be the solution to hunger, but it is sort of a solution for happiness or for momentarily momentary happiness. Well, yeah, we know we're a we're we're helping families get by. Yeah. You take like the, the just the dollar value of the surplus food that we we buy, and that's that's what makes our math work. Is you know we we buy very little. We pursue, you know the what what the food industry can't sell, mm-hmm. and it's half of it is almost half of it now is fresh produce, and it's, it's absolutely wonderful. This is this is good to do. The total dollar value is like two hundred fifty million dollars of assistance that we're able to provide a year. So it you know I'm I'm not sneezing at that. I mean this is a huge difference yeah. in the lives of people. I am looking for why the heck is is this what we're, what we're having to do? Yeah. Now I will say, like if, you know, people, yeah, you know, in the holidays, it, it, it is a giving time of year. I don't want to, I don't want to stifle that. Um, the best way to really help is, you know, with the support we're providing the local pantries who are there year round. Let them do the little extra. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this: the best way to get that family a turkey is a gift card for them to go get the turkey. Yeah, let yeah. them do it. Yeah, that's, that's interesting that's phenomenon. Everybody wants, you know, says, hey, food bank, are you going to go get turkeys, you know, to pass out? Now, the reality is, like this year, there's no surplus turkeys. Every right. once in a while, there's surplus turkeys. This year, there's there's no surplus turkeys. If we buy turkeys, because stores lose money selling turkeys deliberately, they'll sell you a turkey cheaper than it costs them to get it. That means it costs the food bank. If we buy it, we're actually paying more for that turkey. Mm. Than the family would. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Give the family the gift card yeah. and let them yeah. do that. And let them like, do you know, that, that, that. You know that neighborhood you know, pantry. You know there. Give them the money to get gift cards. That'd be a great way to help those households. Brian, as we finish up, can, way. can you share with us what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? You personally. Oh yeah. Well, it's not just favorite. First off, I always fry a turkey. Um, it's not the great best turkey, I will admit. But boys, are a lot of fun to fry a turkey. Oh. <laughs> My wife lets me do it for Thanksgiving. Uh, but I love the mashed potatoes and the demon eggs. I absolutely love my demon egg re- recipe instead of deviled egg. Uh, a deviled egg, okay. Yeah, so, what's the difference? <laughs> special deviled egg. Is it especially spicy? Is that it, Brian? Yeah, so I use Tabasco instead of vinegar. And oh, I use wow. Tony Sazeri's, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the more spice version, less yeah. salt version of Tony Sazeri's instead of salt and pepper. And boy, is it a great taste. Yeah, very good. Brian Green, President and CEO of Houston Food Bank. Uh, let me give you a very early happy Thanksgiving, Brian. I hope to see you soon. <laughs> well, we'll be busy, so now's probably a good time to get it. <laughs> Y'all have a great time. All right, take care. You're listening to Growing Up in America on KPFT. Coming up. Gretchen Himsel, who is with uh, Children at Risk and as a professional caregiver, is going to talk about families and children and holiday celebrations. We'll be right back. Growing up in America, KPFT Pacifica Radio, you're listening to Claire and Dr. Bob, and uh, our guest is Gretchen Himsel. She is the chief of staff and a professional caregiver, and she's with Children at Risk. And uh, Gretchen, hope you're doing well. Glad to be here. Happy early Thanksgiving. And to you as well. So we want to talk about families and children and preparing for holiday celebrations. Uh, How should families 
include children as they prepare for uh, Thanksgiving uh, and holidays? Well, I always like uh, giving kids as much information about what's going to happen so that they can be prepared. So these mm-hmm. are the people that are going to be there. These, you know, maybe you get to skip a nap this day. Maybe you get to stay up late. These are the things that are going to happen so that they can kind of be prepared because it is a big change in routine. Um, but then I also like them to be um, prepared emotionally for um, what might happen, like being with your cousins and playing with other family members and stuff like that, and how they can um, remain grounded in with gratitude through all these events. Yeah, thinking of the dynamics of children and um, what the internet has to offer, I feel like they're half raised by parents, half internet now. <laughs> and that's just my thing, don't quote it. But thinking of that and parents that might now have more time with their children, what do you recommend them really to get away from screen time and forming new traditions with their children? You know, I always like doing everything with my kids, and uh, you just have to build in the extra time. So if you're going yeah. to um, make go shopping, grocery shopping, um, bring the kids along. That's a great way to, um, you know, teach how to make decisions. Well, we can't have all of these cereals. So which one would you like? We, You know, like, can you count the number of potatoes? And then when kids get old enough to read, they can help with the list. When they get old enough to yeah. go off and find the ingredients on their own, they get that independence. So um, kind of like with the ages and stages that are appropriate, bringing them in um, to to the process of preparing, the cooking, um, breaking the leaves, getting the house ready, all of that kids can do. It does take more work sometimes for the parents to provide that guidance and patience, but I think it really helps for everyone to know that we're in this together, especially during the holidays. You know, one of the things, one of the traditions I did not learn until I was an adult was like when everyone goes around and talks about what they're thankful for. And sometimes people think it's cheesy, but what I've learned is that kids love that moment, right? When they talk about what they're thankful for. Uh, How, I mean, is that something that you encourage when you talk to families, Gretchen, this idea of going around the dinner table and saying this, or are there other ways to talk about this? Well, I love that because it's a fun way to for little kids to get like the spotlight on them and get a chance yeah. to talk. But then also, hearing what others are thankful for helps grow empathy in them. You know what I mean? Like the fact that someone is glad that Aunt Marsha helped with the mashed potatoes. Oh, okay, I understand. Helping is important. So they learn by listening and they learn by talking about what they are grateful for as well. And on, and Dr. Bob, I'm glad you brought this up because um, being consciously uh, grateful and practicing gratitude can reduce stress uh, and anxiety by almost 10%. So even just taking a moment yeah. and saying, I'm thankful for X, um, increases your happiness and long-term mental health. So to be able to see that in practice by people hopefully that they appreciate and love um, is so important for kids to witness. So so Gretchen, as we finish up, uh, I want to give, we want to go to our fun questions and uh, I'll ask the first one, the same one we asked Brian, what's your favorite Thanksgiving dish? My personal favorite is the stuffing because I love bread and carbs. However, wow. I, and this is a question back to you and Claire, is uh, I grew up in the Midwest and I came down to Texas and my in-law family is huge on Thanksgiving and they have gravy that goes with the turkey with eggs in it, with a hard-boiled egg. Oh. <laughs> have you ever heard of this? Nope. And no. do, you, do you have it in your families? No, no we don't have that. I love eggs, so maybe I'll bring it up this Thanksgiving, see where it lands. What's your favorite dish, yeah. Claire? Well, I'm like giggling because I love stuffing, but I, I have to have gravy on it. Wow. But yeah, any yes. stuffing, green bean casserole is also a, a runner-up. You know, I'm a big food snob, and so there's all sorts of things. You know, I love to do my own smoked turkey that I inject with uh, garlic oil oh, and so forth. We're not doing that. But you know what I really love? And we talked about this in the staff meeting. I love that canned cranberry sauce that you get cold you. And, it, and it slips <laughs> out of the can and has the little ridges. I can't get enough of that stuff. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. So, anyway. Gretchen, the next question is, what is one film that your family always watches together during the holiday season? Uh the um, what is the Die Hard Bruce Willis? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a, and are you and Jacob are on Die Hard for as a holiday? There movie. is there is strong uh, strong opinions on both sides on whether or not that counts as a holiday movie. Oh, that's holiday. But what I like about it is that it can count as a holiday movie, but also an action movie, and also like this is what the eighties were like, you know, a lesson in the <laughs> old timey days. So I, it has a little bit of something for everyone never seen it oh you haven't seen it i know so i have no idea where the debate lies it doesn't sound very holiday to me oh it's it happens during a holiday party right the building is uh, taken over during a holiday party so Uh uh, yeah check it out yeah yeah um when you think about uh, holiday traditions for you in general uh in your family gretchen what's what's the one that you 
never want to forget that you always want to have happen with you and your girls? Uh, I, you know, one thing we do is stockings and we hang those up and we all buy small little gifts throughout the year, maybe on our travels or, um, for when the girls were little, it was things they might've made at school and then they go in the stockings. And the rule that we had growing up for me and that I've continued with my girls is that you can open anything in the stocking before parents wake up. So that buys a little bit of time from the 5 a.m. wake up call of small children on Christmas day. So, uh, anything that's in the stocking you can open before mom and dad get up and then you have to wait until after breakfast mm. and do you guys allow political discussions during your thanksgiving <laughs> meal gretchen we do and uh <laughs> many of us prepare in, for these political discussions by reading articles <laughs> and be, being prepared to cite our sources <laughs> now that's a thanksgiving i can get behind wow very good. you have a final question for gretchen on on thanksgiving um, do you black friday shop I don't, but the Cyber Monday thing, I am all over. So Flights if, on if, Cyber Monday. If my Monday. boss is listening, I apologize for low productivity that day. Wow. You so Cyber to. Monday, are there travel deals on Cyber Monday as well? There's Travel Tuesday now. That's where I'd point the audience, especially if you're a college student that constantly has to fly back and forth. Um, airlines, mm-hmm. it's insane. They have holistic deals. I mean, there's packages to London for like 800 You get the whole shebang. Uh, wow. So, Very yeah. good. And uh, as we go forward this Thanksgiving uh, on this show, Gretchen, what are you most thankful for this year? Uh, I am thankful for all of the nonprofits that we work with that are doing uh, good work for families and children in Texas. Very good. How about you? How about you, Claire? I know I was going to be asked this. I'm just thankful for people in general and people who have genuine hearts and are thankful. I just love community and relationship. Good. Gretchen Hemsel, Chief of Staff over at Children at Risk. Thank you, Gretchen, for being on the Growing Up in America program. Thank you. Very good. Well, coming to the end, um, Claire, I mean, uh, we have a couple more shows before the end of the year. I know. Uh, but quickly, right? I mean, and when you work in our world, we're talking about school districts that seem to be ending school soon, ho- uh, colleges, you know, the, the end of Wrap the semester is close. It's sort of interesting that we're right at the beginning or the middle of November and we're talking about the end of the year, but when we talk about kids and families, Thanksgiving and the beginning of Thanksgiving and uh, the onset Nostalgia. of the winter holidays, it's yeah. it's like uh, this is uh, the new year is upon us. Yeah, I'm very reflective. I'm excited. I'm not going to rush through Christmas ever or my birthday, but I'm excited for a fresh start in 2024. Yeah, very good. All right. Hey, uh, we do this each and every week uh, on Wednesdays and Claire and I and the whole team work each and every day. For for children. children. See you next time on Growing Up in America. I hopped up the plane at LAX with a dream in my cardigan. Welcome to the land of fame, XX. Am I gonna fit in? Jumped in the cab, here I am for the first time. Look to my right and I see the Hollywood sign. This is all so crazy. Everybody seems so famous My tummy's turning and I'm feeling kind of homesick Too much pressure and I'm nervous That's when the taxi man turned on the radio And the Jay-Z song was on And the Jay-Z song was on And the Jay-Z song was on So I put my hands up to play my song The butterflies fly away Nodding in my head like yeah Moving my hips like yeah Dave Alvin, and right this second, you're listening to KPFT, Houston, Texas. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat. Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. 
I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. I'm Chris Jackamick. I served in the United States Air Force, and I deployed three times. So in 2017, I was serving as an Air Force First Sergeant. Our motto in that role is, my job is people, everyone is my business. But unfortunately, in that year, I would lose my own brother, Lance Corporal.